Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking. In today's sponsored podcast, we talk again with 40 people about 40Net with their 40 product portfolio. And the thing about 40Net that I don't know that quite everybody has caught up with is just how broad of a spectrum 40Net has grown into. Uh, many people think of 40Net as a firewall or as a security company, and we've talked a lot about how 40Net's firewalls have grown out to become SD-WAN, then they've added SASE, and now we're moving into SSE. They have all of that. But what we wanted to do was sort of expand on that conversation, start talking about their wireless and their wired. So that is the campus and the branch solutions. They have both of those. Uh, also, what we want to talk about is the how this applies to the branch. The branch is more than just wired and wireless. Uh, it's a little bit more complicated, especially as we're seeing much more convergence into segmenting the branch and treating it like a just like a head office campus. And increasingly, well, there's also a new type of branch coming along called a micro branch, and we're talking about how to apply the 40Net strategy to that. And then finally, we're going to be looking at discussing how intelligence, I think some people call it AI ops, I think AI ops is kind of the umbrella for it all, but intelligence is really about how we ease the operational load, how we reduce the operational load as complexity gets underway. So this is a broad ranging discussion. Joining us today is Chris Hins. He's the Senior Director of Wired and Wireless Solutions, and Ben Wilson, who's a field CTO. You might remember them from previous podcasts where we've had them on before. Welcome, gentlemen. Let's dive straight in. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about this vision. I sort of laid up the strategy that Fortinet is a bigger company than most people realize. So who wants to lay out the vision? What is it, the strategy that customers are asking for, which is more than just firewalls? You know, one of the big things that we talk about a lot, and I think you even use the word yourself, is this idea of convergence the need to bring networking and security together. And, and a big reason for that that we're seeing is with modern networks and everything that we are asking networks to do, having these things as separate siloed areas is just not effective anymore. This causes security gaps. It causes a lot of wasted cycles by IT as they try and move through the different technologies and different management planes as they try and make sure that their network is fully secure for all the applications and all the different users that are now attaching to it. So mm. by bringing these things together, we can act as that sort of one-stop shop for everything that you need, wired wireless security altogether. So looking back and where we've come from and to where we're going, you're talking about convergence. I think historically, it made sense for vendors to be focused on a single part of the, the product portfolio, so firewalls or switches or routing things have changed. We're now at a point where these products are becoming more commoditized, not not entirely commoditized, but you know, a vendor that's that's making switches and routers can also make firewalls and operating systems and software operations and monitoring visibility. So there's been an underlying transition here and Fortinet's been following that trend or engaging in that that process. I'd like to think we've been leading that trend more than anything else. If I look at it purely from an R&D perspective, which is the side of the business that I sit on, it's far easier for us to be able to secure things, which is what we do first because we're a security company, if we have visibility and mm. you know control over them. It's very It can be challenging to secure things you don't have control over. Now, you can do it. We mm. have a, you know, an open ecosystem. With APIs, we call the the security fabric. You know, I think we've got 500 plus partners in that. But when you own the technology, when you build it, when you manage it from the ground up and you have all of those elements together in your control, it makes it far easier to secure, mm. also makes it way easier to administer as well. 
So you would make the case that it's a security company becoming a networking company, if you will, moving from you know firewalls and application security into wired and wireless would be simpler than coming the other way. That evidence would be partly borne out by your competitive space and how far companies like Fortinet have outcompeted the vendors in that space. I would actually say that it's impossible to be a good security company without mm. being able to do networking well. How are you going to see the traffic flows? How are you yeah. going to get all the information you need to be able to help people create the right policies for, you name it, segmentation, inspection, all those different pieces, unless you've got the visibility and control over the networking piece, which effectively is the building blocks of communication. I think I've said this before several times, but the critical piece always for me is that it's very difficult to secure something unless you know it's there. Now, yeah. you can get visibility, but it's all about having the control as well. And that's why I think we've got, is it nearly 60 product lines we've got got now somewhere around that 57, uh, 58. And of course, as ever, we call everything 40, which is, you know, <laughs> the way that we the way that the way that we do it. But yeah. focusing on the on the wide and wide and wireless means that we have the ability to influence greater parts of the network, segment it, secure it and push it all forward that way. Viable argument. I guess you could have a discussion throwing that backwards and forwards, like, is it better to be a security company coming networking or vice versa? There's probably goods and bads about all of it. But one of the things I note about Fortinet is that you don't demand customers become fully committed. As in all of the discussions that we've had over the last few years, you've never said to people, you should be all in on Fortinet. You've said like, here's what we've got. We've got this for SD-WAN. We've got this for remote access. We've got this. So you can start with Fortinet. You don't have to go in and say, right, we're throwing everything out. We're displacing our incumbent vendor. Is that reasonable? That's true. You know, this is part of that platform approach that Ben was hinting at, that once you get our, our operating system that runs on our FortiGate, the FortiOS, once you really start to get that platform approach into your system, as Ben talked about, we have an ecosystem. There are other vendor products that we can work with and we can work within the environment. But as you bring additional you know, 40 product online and bring it onto this platform, you start to get additional benefits. Some of that visibility Ben was talking about, the information sharing is better. You know, I know that it's, you know, we oftentimes talk about this idea of 40 OS everywhere because mm -hmm. everything homes back to this single operating system. And I think that's an important thing for folks to understand that we are not talking about these as completely disparate product, but because it's all from the same vendor, it's just magically going to be better. They really do all report back to a single operating system and a single unified platform. And that allows these things to naturally work better together. And when you look at what we do, particularly with wired and wireless in terms of that next generation firewall acting as a controller, we're not looking to make this a difficult lift for, for a customer to move to us. So we don't have a bunch of licensing. There's not going to be a very confusing set of, of POs or, or bombs that you have to put together to try to move to our solution. Now, the argument used to be best of breed. The argument used to be you pick the best product within a, a particular product family from whatever vendor because, because it's the best in its class. And you're arguing that... I'm going to get the best solution if I have everything that's basically, if I have everything that's running 40 OS, that seems to be the argument you're making. 40 OS is the thing that is going to make life better if all of these products are running that because of the uh, 
Well, I guess everything running that same OS lends a certain amount of predictability to the solution that I end up building. I'd actually also say that the, the angle that we come at it from is you're going to be able to secure everything properly if you run 40 OS everywhere. Yes, best of breed technology. I've even worked for, uh, some would call it, wireless focused vendors, wireless only vendors, pure play, whatever the terminology is that uh, that, that you want to that you want to put um, in that particular uh, vernacular. The important piece, though, when you look at best of breed is, is it actually delivering you the features and the functionalities that you require to deliver the services that your business or enterprise or whatever needs in order to be able to service its customers, be they internal or external? Is it scalable and is it flexible? Now, okay. when I've worked for uh, wireless pure play vendors, you know, we often had the approach of the differentiator was, for example, it might be the architecture. Okay. So you turn up and you go, hey, the only way to do this, Mr. Customer, or the best way to do this is to go purely cloud, purely on-prem, have a controller in the middle, wherever it is that you want to, that your particular company specializes in, that's the way to do it. What I've learned over the past 20 years is that no two networks are identical. No two customers want things done in exactly the same way. No two customers want to service their customers in the same way. So being able to have a platform approach with the right functionality, the right features across multiple product ranges gives you that flexibility of architecture and delivery to be able to do what suits best for your business. Well, you're getting right after the thing that I think is changing now, where if you know, best of breed was an individual product set you'd think about back in the day, of which I think everybody knows Fortnite has a bunch of those quote unquote best of breed products. You're now thinking about terms of best of platform. I want a platform that all works together, that delivers my network as a uh, as a whole. Uh, what what are the options I have when I look at network platforms to deliver connectivity and security to my business that all works together? So it's a different change of different way to think about it now. Hmm. Yes, I think that's a key thing for for our listeners to think about here and understand because. When you look at the Fortinet products as we're going to be talking about today, many of these are extremely well represented, if not sitting as a best of breed in their respective, you know, analyses by by analysts or by reports out there. But if you start to cross compare other vendors in this space, some of our competitors, they may also be well represented. But to your point, theirs oftentimes are not a true platform. So hmm. if you piece together that solution, even from a single vendor, you then, uh, as a customer, you then have the hassle of trying to get that stuff to work together. You know, piece it all together. I don't want to call anybody out, but we we do hear from you know from customers all the time that say, yeah, you know, I have X, Y, and Z from from somebody, but I've been spending the last you know year and a half trying to get it all working together. Because the integration is a single pane of glass that's just got different panels in it that are taking very different products, but trying to make them look and feel the same when in fact they aren't. Right. Uh, we, we hear those stories too. Yeah. And this is because Fortinet develops its products in-house. It rarely goes outside to buy it from somebody else and then rebadge it and then take several years to integrate it. You actually build it up. Like the part of the reason I think that 40 OS is everywhere is because it comes from in-house. You automatically start with... I've got 40 OS, 
now I'm going to build a product with it. So if I'm going to build a Wi-Fi uh, hardware or a, a campus switch or a you know SD WAN appliance, it's all going to run 40OS because you build it out from in-house. Correct. In actual fact, we can point specifically in wireless, for example, to the acquisition of Maru that we made, uh, which I think was 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, that really was a, uh, if you like, a people and customer base style acquisition, where what we've done is, is we've taken the pieces of the technology that we uh, that we wanted it and integrated it natively into 40 OS. So we've got the pieces that we want, which has been able to enhance the existing wireless that we had to kind of build it up, layer it up. So we Mm -hmm. get those extra pieces of flexibility and the extra pieces of technology that we hadn't developed in-house. So even when we do acquire, you know, a lot of people do a forklift or they will just make a choice of, oh, well, we've bought this, so we're going to do this. For us, it's I guess it's more evolutionary, perhaps even more organic and strategic as we look at the specific pieces that we want, which are going to fit our platform approach. And I guess what you're doing is sort of calling me out on the fact that, yes, you do make acquisitions, but you don't normally buy an entire product category and then say, just rebadge it and say, that's us, which is what we see. Yeah, innovation does. I think one of the things you could reasonably argue is that Fortinet does innovation in inverted commas. I've got my fingers up in the air. Internally, you actually develop the products internally. Acquisitions are usually smaller and a creative, not opening up a whole new market for you. Let's talk about, speaking of whole new markets, Fortinet's been making a big push into the campus and specifically the software-defined campus. We've seen a lot of hype go on around how the campus is well overdue. For a lot of companies, they're sitting on 20, 25-year-old hardware. So let's talk about how Fortinet is doing the campus there and particularly about how you're focusing on the idea of operations and reducing the operational load around the campus. Yeah, this is something that that we've started to talk about a lot. And it's it's been interesting for me as, as we come back to the office and I come into our lovely new HQ that we built. This building has automated technology all throughout it, you know, in terms of the window shade, the lights, the everything you can think of. And when you start looking at campuses that have this sort of technology in them, they start to face, to your point, some of the same challenges that we've seen OT environments face in the past. And this becomes this sort of OT, IoT convergence. It asks a lot more of the network, and it puts a lot more burden on IT. So we've started to look at how we can, with our product set, aid in dealing with sort of this new campus, this new smart campus. And that includes things like putting NAC services, which I'm not going to claim NAC in and of itself is is new technology, but the idea of bringing NAC services natively as a included part of LAN equipment, Mm. that's something that we really don't see much of the rest of the market doing, but it can be extremely valuable in dealing with a lot of these devices in the IoT space and the OT space. Practically speaking, Chris, is there a big difference between IoT and and OT kind of devices at this point in the way that they are treated? You know, I think in the past, what folks would have said is that OT was air-gapped, it doesn't touch anything, and so therefore it it has a separate set of of issues it deals with. But frankly, we're seeing that change. You, You know, the OT systems now need to speak to the cloud because a lot of them are now being cloud hosted. We're seeing people who are remote now need to remote log into OT environments. 
So whereas maybe even as recently as a couple of years ago, I might have said, oh, yeah, here's some differences between OT, IOT. That is a very, very blurred line now. Hmm. Hmm. So I think to make that key, people would regard printers and network connected fax machines as IoT devices as much as it would be a smart lock or an intelligent light or, a, you know, building monitoring solution. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that completely, even to the point of when we look at it from a security perspective, security becomes even more critical at that point at the networking layer when you're dealing with those devices because who wants an unsecured network door lock or you know mm. uh, an unsecured communications device anywhere on the network? The merge between OT and IoT actually it can be quite large when you're looking mm. when you're looking true OT environments and people think of OT as I don't know oil and gas or factories or that type of thing. Normally, is when I talk OT, that's the vision that people have, but. OT covers a multitude of things, even down to smart cafeterias is one that was brought up to me the uh, the other week where mm -hmm. serving stations weigh the food so that the people know in the kitchen how many portions they've got left, when to cook stuff. It relates to staffing levels, has a whole knock-on effect to that yeah. business unit inside the business itself. But you don't necessarily want that mixing with your enterprise traffic. Okay, In fact, no. those devices probably haven't been built from the ground up to think about networking security from an enterprise perspective. And that's where the knack comes in to be able to identify them, automatically segment them and create these, if you like, networks within networks, secure networks within networks yeah. to be able to have all of this operate together. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that really a lot of these services need access to the, to the internet or to the public yeah. WAN. Uh, to be able to work. So, you know, canteen management, there'll be a SaaS solution probably or a, a managed solution and all of these sensors, devices, whatever you want to call them, if you're speaking IoT lingo, all need to have be connected to an internal network, which then gateways out to the public network. You know, they expect you to provide that network, right? So the campus is a lot different to where it was 20 years ago when, you know, VLANs were there to su suppress broadcasts. They weren't there as a security feature. That's what they existed for. It's not just about the expectation of providing the network. Again, it's about providing the network securely. And a good example of something we do specifically around that is the virtual patching feature. Anybody here who has dealt with the, the weird and wonderful and amazing IoT devices and OT devices that are out there know how difficult it can be to patch them, to even know whether they need to be <laughs> patched. To, to even understand what the vulnerability, you know, may be because they're just, some of them are just not designed like that. And they're someone else's devices, right? You know, yeah, if, exactly. if the cafeteria exactly. management person decides to put an insecure, you know, device on that network, there's not much you can do. You still need to run the canteen and they they don't care, right? Yeah, it's almost sometimes it's almost like they're holding you to hostage with it, right? You know, well, I need this in order to be able to, if it's a canteen, I need this to be able to feed the staff. Are you telling me I can't feed the staff because I can't connect this device? It's, yeah. it's you know, it, it, there's, there's all that element to it as well that admins have to deal with. And where the virtual patching comes in is with along with the NAC, it identifies the device. It looks up against our 40 guard labs with the massive database that we've uh, we've got with the device. It also then looks up against the CVEs associated with uh, with that device. 
And if we can, we if we can see how to mitigate against a vulnerability in that device at a networking level, we can make automatic virtual mm. patching changes to be able to secure that and allow it to continue to work. So it's just just taking it on. This is the same security service you use for SASE and SSE. So it's off-prem, the same threat data, the same threat intelligence, the same vulnerability monitoring and all that sort of stuff. You're saying the same stuff that you use for that is you use it for the campus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a great example of where, again, that convergence we spoke about earlier comes mm. into play because those same FortiGuard services that are feeding our firewall, our other security appliances, like you said, our SASE solution, everything with security mm. intelligence are now also feeding the this intelligence at the network layer. And so no. by having all this stuff tied together, you get that benefit across all the layers within your network. Because let's be honest, that canteen example Ben used, if it's working, those folks are never going to update from where or for anything. And this is where zero trust breaks down is because these devices don't participate in a zero trust. You don't have the agent, right? So let's move to another topic, which is the idea of a branch or a software-defined branch. We talked about IoT in the campus, which sort of implies a head office or for a major office. And I guess when we talk about a branch these days, we're talking about a, a smaller campus. Is that how we see it? Yeah, you know, I think that's a fair way of looking at these things. But I, one thing that to me really distinguishes a branch is I may not really have a lot of IT services directly at that branch, you know, managing things. And so what's interesting is some of the same topic we talked about around IoT and devices coming in and plugging in, this now, that same problem shifts and becomes a visibility problem. This is where you start to have a lot more of a shadow IT problem of people bringing stuff in, plugging it in, and I need, as a remote IT person, the ability to understand what's going on there and feel confident that if somebody brought something in and plugged it in, that it's going to be treated and secured correctly. Because, you know, in the campus, I have a little bit more control. Someone can actually visit it, that cube and say, what, what's on? What's that there that you've got? I can't do that on branches. So I really need to ensure that I'm giving IT the tools to secure those branches effectively. It's amazing the equipment that people will put under their desks or on top of their desks. Why are you running that access point? Why? It, it's also a DHCP server. You know, you really can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so getting alerted to that kind of stuff when it's coming in from the branches uh, is uh, pretty key. And I think also we're seeing the way for some companies or many companies, the nature of branches are changing. Uh, once upon a time, people came into the office every day. People had a desk and they were static. Now they're much more uh, a services location for employees to gather. So there might be services there like printing and binding machines. Some people will come into the office just to get cooled or heated up because they don't want to run their home because it's too cold at home or they don't want to run the heating. Um, we've got other things. You know, maybe there's a canteen. Maybe they just want to come into the office to access the stuff. I don't know. But increasingly, people don't have a fixed desk. They have meeting rooms or gathering spaces. We're seeing offices get converted away from desks to just, you know, all meeting rooms. So teams of employees can get together one or two days a week as we see the remote work come in. I think we need to think, rethink how we work for the branch in the, in the light of what's changing around us. Very and true. I think we also need to think of it as well is, is what are the physical conditions like as well? So one thing that, 
might happen at a, on a campus is you will have a, an on-site uh, IT team. And if somebody sets up an AP, like was mentioned before with an SSID, <laughs> they'll come around and they'll go, hey, stop that. Or they might automatically turn on suppression of that, you know, all those, mm. type, all those type of things. In a branch of 10, 12 people, they don't have that. And also... No. You know, there'll be there'll be neighbors round. You know, you have a, a branch which is effectively an office in an office block in a city center. You try finding some clean air where you can say, you know, this is definitely in my building, this is definitely not all those type of things. It's a real it's a real challenge to be able to um to do that. Uh, and you know, having having all of that information in this same central point on the platform, I think really helps. Uh, address this because whether you've got a campus whether you got a, whether you've got a branch it's the same platform with us it's the same security stack it's the same networking stack whether you've got a 48 i don't know 60f you know mm. with uh, six access points attached to it or whether you've got a um you know a 3600 with 5000 ap's uh, attached to it it's the same look and feel, it's the same scalability, all that type of thing. So you can then take the principles that you set as an IT enterprise admin and you can push them out no matter where it is. And if you're running zero trust, yes, you can push that out, out to the edge. It's also about a journey. With the way I always think about it is it's a journey for the customers and every customer is moving at a different pace. They're adopting different technologies at, at a different mm. time. But yeah. we try to enable them to do that at the click of a button rather than a, right, I need a yeah. new platform for this. But you still got the security, you still got the, the application inspection. Sorry, you've got the choices to have application inspection. So the SD branch is a combination. If Tell me I'm right here. And, and and explain it better than probably what I can. But you would have an SD-WAN edge, which would have a firewall built in, which would optionally have application inspection, which would optionally be sent off to the 40 guard service for cleaning, logging, scanning, you know, DLP, whatever it is that you're subscribed to in terms of licensing, of course. Um, and every branch would then have the same policy. So because this is centrally managed, all of this is managed in the 40 manager which is, again, the, exactly what it sounds like. It's Fortinet's manager of all of its networking devices. One thing about Fortinet, you don't have to have a dictionary to try and decode what everything means. It's quite neat. We try <laughs> our best. And so it's helpful, right? So I think the other thing that we, we'll touch on more when we talk about AI ops a little bit later on, but it is operationally possible to do this with all of this complexity. So segmentation in the branch, IoT, security inspection, there's a lot of work going on there if you were trying to do it manually. That's correct. And one of the things that we often see with SD-WAN setups, you called it out, there's oftentimes SD-WAN. We even have a 5G LTE WAN, WAN gateway product that we can use to give you uh, a redundant link if you want that. that. That's a wireless WAN link. But I think you also touched on the fact that oftentimes when you start talking about branch, it's not branch, it's branches. So you oftentimes have several of these scattered across the globe. So this idea of having orchestration and easy rollout in, as you talked about, Forta Manager, mm -hmm. so that I can templatize things, roll it out, and I don't need those skilled resources at every branch to get this up and running is highly valuable when you've got dozens and dozens of these things out there that you're responsible for and you can't send a person to. Yeah, I mean, I have flown to Hong Kong just to deploy a router. 
Ooh. in the old days. And that was just, oh. you know, <laughs> that is not nearly as much fun as you think it is. <laughs> it's like... Brutal. Brutal. That is, that is. Yeah. The interesting thing here as well is we should also think about it from the user experience perspective. No matter where they turn up, they want to have the same experience and you want to know that they're secured in the same way and the same policies are being applied for them. And so that wherever they go, they've got access to the right resources. You know, it shouldn't be that they have access to the right resources at home and they turn up to, you know, head office and they can't get to where they need to go or they turn up to the branch and they can't access this particular network resource or something like that. And it allows the admin to be able to produce that, whether they're using zero trust, sassy, you know, 48 appliance, all these various different things. And also it's the flexibility of architecture. If, If you'll indulge me for 15 seconds, just talk about a product specific thing. You know, when we talk about 40OS everywhere, we actually run 40OS version, if you like, or 40OS services, 40 guard services, shall we say, the 40 guard security services on the access point itself. So even if you don't have a 40 gate on site, you can actually run inspection at the edge of the network before it hits the wire. So that's a, a critical piece as well. And all of that is the flexibility that we try and go for from an architecture and product perspective. So you're reaching there to talk about some what what, what I think you call a micro branch, which is one person. <laughs> is, that, is that the idea? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, a micro branch, a micro branch is, as it suggests, a very small branch. Now it can yeah. be one person, maybe a, a handful of people, and it can be approached in several different ways. One way that we talk about it is, for example, SASE, you've got a device, you know, it'll have endpoint software that runs on it, 40 client, uh, which is part of the SASE solution. But we also have a SASE client on our wireless access points, and we'll have one coming out on the switches very shortly as well. So what that allows you to do, for example, is pick one, guest networking, right? Mm -hmm. Your guests turn up, you can have... Uh, an SSID, which is separate on a physical level with a separate physical port, but it still goes up to SASE to be inspected there. And the other key thing about having SASE as part of this is a lot of people, the SASE is is separate. But because it's part of 40OS, your users can take the quickest, shortest, most secure path to whatever resources they want. So if you've got things in your private cloud, for your employees, as well as the public cloud, as well as you know somewhere else on the network, it means because you've got 40 OS on your 40 gate appliance, you've got 40 guard services on your AP, you've got SASE in your cloud, you've got 40 OS uh, protecting your public cloud applications, mm-hmm. all these various different things. It's just a case of them all talking together with you know various different tags and access groups. And no matter where they are, everybody gets access to the to the right place, no matter on what the scale. And that's the key thing about the micro branch, as I mentioned before, is getting the same user experience simple wherever they are. So, but Ben, the magic here is I'm in let's call it a Soho application. I've got some some Fortinet device that is on premises with me. I connect to that for my network access, and then that SASE functionality is built into that device. It doesn't. I don't have to have some agent loaded or a client loaded on my laptop, let's say. I'm, but I'm still getting all those inspection services because I'm connecting to the network via that 40 device that's on premises with me. 
Yeah, that's right. It's it's the flexibility of architecture. It's the it's the ability to be able to deal with things which have a, a endpoint software, you know, built into them and don't have endpoint software loaded onto them. You know, as I said, I think I said it earlier, I've in 20 odd years, probably nearly 30, let's not go down that road. But yeah, it, it's no two networks are the same. And as I said before, no two companies journey on adopting their networking and organically grow them to suit their needs. Look, we've just, everybody's just been through this pandemic um, and we're coming out of it. Overnight, networks changed. We all know they did. Everybody went from dealing with, I don't know, a thousand people at headquarters to a thousand people remote literally overnight that's a huge uh, working change not just from a mentality perspective but from a physical networking perspective you know it's yeah. it, it's enormous and this is the world that we're living in yeah some of the cobbled together solutions that were done like i remember talking to people in the back channels you know oh, putting, yeah. Yeah, putting yeah. vpn concentrators in vms in off-prem clouds and trying to make them scale overnight like it's like and and bha like actually be have some sense of reliability and low. they had so much, so, so many people work so many long hours for very little. I guess for me, the thing here again is that and you talked to, you banged on about it with the 40 OS thing again, but to me, it's all about how you have consistent APIs everywhere because the, if you're going to weld together products from all across different portfolios, it really comes down to APIs in a unique way. And if you've gone and bought products from different companies, the APIs will be radically different. How many how many times have you worked with a product that a company bought and its API just has a different ethos? And you're looking at it going like, that data that data return just doesn't look anything like what they would return somewhere else. It's completely. So having it can sing. I want to move on to talking about operations because a lot of what we've talked about here is wired, wireless, branch, campus. You know, we've got off-prem services and on-prem services. You've got agents and stuff. How do we... There's a lot of complexity here and in the terms of if I'm trying to operate all of this and we need a way to bring the operations under control, what are we doing? What are we doing about that? Yeah, and this is where we, we talk a lot about just this concept of intelligence automation throughout the network. And I think Ben touched on some of the ways this can show up even just down at the FortiGate itself when he talked about some of the virtual patching and some of those things that we can automatically do and implement so that people don't have to do it manually themselves. Because when we look at this, what we really are seeing and hearing from IT teams is there's a need for these folks to, to do more without having to add a whole bunch of people onto their headcount to do it. If you, if you think about it, these folks were hired really to drive the network for the company's goals, their, their business results that they want to do, not to deal with day-to-day -day hassles. So we can ease that operational impact that happens in campuses, branches, et cetera, by bringing artificial intelligence and machine learning to bear so that that troubleshooting time when, when something goes wrong goes from, you know, maybe an hour or two because you got to start from the very beginning. And as Ben talked about, if you don't, if your solution doesn't bring everything together and you don't have full visibility, you got to compare a couple of different systems. Well, what does this system say is the problem? Okay, that's interesting. Now, well, let me go look at, you know, what this other system says. Let me cross compare that. And you can easily spend a lot of time that should be spent on, on more strategic initiatives, just tracing down a problem to go fix it. Now we can shortcut that. AIML can say, hey, this is going on. You should go look at this and here's how to resolve it. And suddenly that guy's back doing what you are paying him to do in an incredibly short amount of time. 
Well, the, the, so the data that you're pulling from 40OS from all these different sources, because it's, what, what are we saying here? Because it's uniform, you know all of what that data and that telemetry is that you're pulling uh, and are connected to it all, you can build a model that gives us unique insights because, again, it's all the same as opposed to a, a mishmash of different vendors. Correct. So I have a single point of truth, right? That, that's what's com coming from the platform approach that we have. And as you touched on, certainly if there's multiple vendors in the environment, I need to go into each management plane and understand how they are seeing things to try and piece together a, a, a vision of what truth looks like. Here, all of this is already tied in because we're all on a single platform approach. And when you think about what a firewall really represents, if you're implementing security through a firewall, all traffic is going to be inspected by that firewall in some way, shape, or form at some point. So now I have the visibility that a firewall has generally into the network to begin with from a traffic flow perspective. Plus, I have all the L1, L2 information that I'm going to be getting from access points and switches that are also reporting in to that firewall. So I have full stack all the way up to application level information because oftentimes that firewall is doing application inspection. So I have all of that coming in. So when it comes to root cause analysis, then what you're telling me is with that visibility, when we get into an application performance problem, you can tell me if it's connectivity all the way down at L1, L2, we've got uh, a badly behaving interface, something's wrong, all the way up to uh, the application is slow because the application is slow and maybe there's some kind of uh, insights that you're offering oh, there. Oh, Ethan's hacked and he's getting in and he's just about to move laterally inside the organization because... <laughs> that is that is what I do, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the actual fact with um, just to, what you touched on there is yeah. it starts to get into DEM, right, which yeah. is the, the digital experience management which is, okay, actually, this isn't a network issue. This is a, an application issue, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not going to pick a vendor's particular product because I don't want to pick an end, but a, a well-known collaboration platform is having problems. We can tell you that the well-known collaboration platform is having problems rather than it being the network because the more information we get on the stack, the more insights we get the better we can make that from an operational perspective as well, which is the, you know, the real critical piece here. Hmm. I, I'll say it again. I used to work for wireless pure play vendors. When we used to do installs, right, we would turn up and we were only doing the access points and there'd be another company who we were doing the switches and then there'd be another team doing the, uh, doing the security, right? So what used to happen was I'd go, none of my APs can connect to where they need to get to. And the switch guy would go, well, it's nothing to do with me. And the security guy would go, well, it's nothing to do with me. And then the three of us would have to sit down and try and work out where the problem was between <laughs> us, right? And that took three peoples, three three heads, to try and sit there and work out where the issue was on three individual systems. That's eliminated. And that's just at the install point without looking, having to look at you know ongoing operational stuff. It's actually hard to remember that that's what it was like. It wasn't just that these products were two completely separate and the products came from different vendors and they could barely cooperate together, you know, except at the most basic level of Ethernet or something like that, you know, with a physical cable. Um, but also the operational challenges of trying to make them and to keep them working. If one of them, 
you know, popped it, you know, this one was upgraded this way and that one was upgraded this way. And this one required a custom software app installed on your windows, but it didn't run. You had to, you know, have a mystic incantation throwing salt over your right shoulder to get the software to run so that you could manage this device on site and all those types of things. We, we do forget how far we've come operationally in the last 10 years, perhaps. But I think also we need to recognize that we've added so much more complexity here. We've got overlays, we've got security tools, we've got now we've got alerts. If you've got a DEM and a threat inspection tool and you're scanning all the content, that's a whole bunch of alerts coming at you. The world needs more alerts, but actually what we want is an alert, right? Just one alert. We don't need lots of alerts. So you need some way to decode that, right? Is if there's a vulnerability, you know, if this branch has some got some sort of threat alert going off. Do you take the branch offline? You know, what do you do? Do you do you create a micro segment? Do you isolate it in some way, put them in some sort of, you know, isolation? You need tools to help you with all of that. The days of you SSHing around the network, they're they're long behind us. It's not just tools, it's services as well. You know, so something that, that we've recently, well, maybe not recently, but something that, we're, that we've launched in the past 12 months is uh, SOC as a service, where actually, you know, we gather all the information and then we have SOC experts who will look at all the incoming security alerts, information, and then look through it and make sure that you're getting the right information that you, uh, uh, that you need, which... It, to concentrate on the security side for a second, you know, there is a big, massive cybersecurity skills shortage. Um, mm. That's well, well publicized, well talked about on a, on a regular basis. And so having these kind of services that you can layer on top where your 40 OS can dial straight in, call in, give all of this uh, information and then have experts on tap to help you identify even remediate, give you uh, actions that you need to take. That's a, a, a real critical piece. And to talk about briefly what you said about complexity, I always use the phrase complexity is the enemy. Because if something is complex, it delays people taking it because human nature is always to take the easiest path. So if you make something complicated to do, it's unlikely that people will do it. Remember how difficult it used to be to log onto a guest portal when you used to go visit <laughs> visit 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 a company, and you just go, you know what? I'll pick up my emails later, right? Because it yeah, was complex right. yeah. complex to do. So as soon as you remove that complexity, now the technology behind it still remains complex. I often use the uh -huh. analogy that I can call my eighty year old parents on FaceTime and they will answer. We can have a video call when I'm on the other side of the world, okay? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was unthinkable. They would have had to have a special application to do it and all this type of thing. Now it's part of the integrated stack of what they expect on their, on their phone. So, but the technology behind it is still very complex but it's been made much easier to consume. And that's really what having the platform approach helps you to do. Speaking of consumption, licensing. Um, one of the things we've seen is that all the vendors across the board have moved to subscription-based licensing or flexible licensing for this. How does Fortinet approach all of that? Licensing for us is actually quite simple. We try as hard as possible to not license features. Not always possible because of the nature of the way that they're consumed. But for example, you take the wireless controller inside the FortiGate. 
there isn't a license to turn it on. You know, you mm. just buy the AP hardware and it works. But when you're talking about things like MSSPs, managed service providers, telcos, carriers, these kind of um, mm. consumers who may only have a device on site for a couple of months, they may have a specific consumption contract, they need to consume things in a different way than basic uh, capex or basic opex functions and actually yeah. what we've started to do recently is have something wait for the name 40 flex and <laughs> 40 points okay yeah, yeah and for, 40 flex is flexible consumption and 40 points is the currency that you use uh with uh with, with 40 flex and it only covers a I would say a small amount of products that we out of the portfolio at the moment, but we're adding wireless and wired uh, into that. And it's about being able to consume both hardware and software in a flexible way to be able to meet the demands of your business model. Well, managed service providers is a really good example because they only want to buy the features that the customer wants to pay for. So I think what you're leading into there is saying, I'll sell you the hardware and it's got, and, and in fact, this is almost unique to Fortinet in a way. You, you're you one of the few vendors who will sell a piece of product and everything's in there. And most of the time, all the features that you can imagine are just included in the base license. It's not like you're trying to upsell me all the way through, right? And from the discussions that we had, like, and I want to hark to the prep call here, what you basically described to me is just a really simple way of licensing. Like one of the challenges that we've got now is that a lot of IT teams now have full-time staff just monitoring product licensing and, you know, spreadsheets, data, big data analysis of of pricing and models to try and find ways to reduce the cost of licensing products. But I don't think that's necessary for Fortinet. Is that, I know that's a leading question, but you know, is that right? (laughs) Yeah, we, we do try to, oftentimes the way we phrase it is when you invest in a FortiGate, we, we really believe in giving you value for that money. So we do not try to have a whole bunch of licensing on top of that. For example, there's no additional licensing to manage APs. There's no additional licensing to manage switches. But I think one of the things that Ben has called out here with what we can do with FortiFlex and FortiPoints, again, almost coming all the way back to where we start our conversation, given the large number of products within the Forti portfolio and, and within this platform approach, having a single unified flexible consumption program that we can continue to roll out across these gives people a lot of flexibility in what they need at any given time and to invest and de-invest as necessary to run their business. So you, you're not dealing with four or five different subscriptions because you have maybe a, a, a network vendor that has a program for their hardware, but maybe you have some cloud-based firewalls that, that come from another vendor. And so you have to have a whole nother thing that you're doing with there. Again, you have a single program that you can manage with, with the FortiFlex. And that again, gives you the ease of management to know where you're spending money and to, and to kind of monitor that yourself. I shouldn't have to spend hours of my life in a spreadsheet checking my licensing features. I should be using the product to deliver the value to the business. And it shouldn't be a surprise either. You know, um, (laughs) let's go back in history. I remember vendors who had 802.11n licenses for their access points. Not only did you have to buy a license for the wireless controller to use the access point that you'd bought, but if you wanted to turn on 802.11n, you had to buy an extra license in order to be able to turn that on as well. That's not the approach that we have. As I said, complexity is the enemy. So we have to be flexible, 
but we also want to make it as simple as possible. Unfortunately, we're running out of time with today's show. Thanks so much to Fortinet for sponsoring it. Without them, we wouldn't be able to bring you the Packet Pushers Network. Thanks so much to them for their support. And in fact, Fortinet particular has been a long-term sponsor and we're very grateful. As always, you can find more information over on Fortinet's website, fortinet.com slash landedge, just as you think it sounds, L-A-N-E-D-G-E. Uh, there's lots more, but of course, you could just go and search up anything that we talked about. Or if you like, head on over to the webpage and you can find contact details for people at Fortinet. And if you do contact the Fortinet people about what you heard here, don't hesitate to tell them that you heard about it on Packet Pushes. As always, you can find this and many more fine, free, really good, quite well done podcasts. Very popular they are along with a blog site and a new site at packetpushes.net. You can follow us on all of the social medias, but especially on LinkedIn these days, which is turning into the last social media site standing. You can follow us on Spotify. We now have uh, all of our content published across all the spectrum, but we are also now on Spotify. And don't forget to rate us. It's so helpful to us to find new audience if you could leave ratings to say or comments about the show. Give us some feedback. So helpful for us. Last and never ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.